0: Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. If you would turn with me to John chapter 15. We are honored that you are here with us. Kicking off a new year, amen. And uh, we thank God that uh, even in times of transition, we can still hear from his spirit. We can follow that leading and that guiding, receive direction. And I believe that he's given us a word, at least for our church, for Anchor Faith, regarding our capacity to live aware to the things of God. Amen. Our ability to be aware of what God is doing. This is what I know is God is everywhere. He's omnipresent, meaning that he's everywhere at all times. So it might sound, you know, uh, a little weird to be highlighting the fact of his presence and of his glory, but the capacity that we receive and respond to what God is doing is determined by the level of our awareness to what he's doing. How many of you know that something can be happening but you may not be aware of what's going on. Just because it's happening around you it can even be happening close to you. It can even be happening to you. But if you are unaware of what's being done and this is where the enemy works and operates his greatest tactic is deception. His greatest tactic from the beginning of time is to blind eyes you know it's one thing to have never seen it's another to be unable to see okay so when we're talking about blinded eyes we're not talking about the world in a sense of those that have never uh, had the opportunity to respond to the word or respond to the gospel or respond to the king we're talking about uh, those that have uh, either been blinded to what God is doing or have seen it and yet still chosen not to follow. Amen. Jesus, when uh, he was on the earth, he engaged different groups, different people types, different backgrounds. And uh, it's interesting that if you follow his ministry close enough, you'll note that uh there was obviously the world. There were those that were lost. Obviously, no one could be born again or saved. Jesus had not yet died on the cross. But there was a group of people that considered themselves religious, considered themselves followers of God, considered themselves even religious leaders Pharisees and Sadducees, teachers of the law, scribes. Uh, you know, you have these different groups of people. And then you've got just the straight up lost people that have. You know, never known or chosen to follow God. You got tax collectors, right? You got adulterers. You got sinners. um, You've got individuals that are just going about life, never having really committed their life to any kind of following of of God at that point. Even the Old Testament God that uh, was—that was all that they had. But notice the responses of the two parties. You would think it would be the ones that had been spending their lives. You know, Paul talks about being a Pharisee and he says, you know, from a young age, he called himself a Pharisee of Pharisees. He considered himself uh, one of the, the, the more heartfelt pursuers of what he thought was the things of God. Yet these people rejected Jesus to the point of murdering him. But yet the fishermen and the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the adulterers, some of the worst of the worst would come running to Jesus, bowing to Jesus. One lady even came in and, and, and uh, put perfume on his feet, dried her tears that were falling onto her, her, his feet with her hair. And, and, and of course, the religious leaders We're like, whoa! what in the world are you doing? And why would you even let that person around you? But yet it was the response of the one that was so-called far away from God that brought her near. This is the level of blindedness that the enemy can incorporate in the earth. He's been doing this from day one. He is the most cunning beast of the field, the Bible says. He's the most tricky, and that's how he operates, is to close our eyes and make us unaware of the things that are right in front of us. We saw last week in John chapter one, the light came into the world, but the world did not comprehend it. World didn't even see it. World didn't even know it. What was right in front of them. And in fact, their response to Jesus wasn't even one of just rejection. It was one of, we must kill him and get rid of him. This is what blindedness can do is it will not just cause you to miss out. It will cause you to attack the very thing that God is trying to bring into your life. And so in this new year, uh, the word of the Lord has come to us that he's uh, wanting to increase our awareness, increase our capacity to be aware of not just him, but what he's doing. And we actually left off here in John chapter 15, but we'll start at verse one and pick back up where we left off in recognizing uh, that Jesus gives us such a prime example, shows us what this way of the Father looks like, what this awareness looks like, and how we can be in tune, amen, to what he's doing. So John chapter 15, uh, I want to read out of the uh, New King James verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser, every branch in me watch this, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Let's stop right there and identify something real quick. Notice the conversation is centered around this topic of fruit bearing, producing, yielding something in our lives. He's identifying that Uh, My father plays a role, the word, Jesus plays a role and you play a role. But the end goal is that you bear fruit, that you produce something of kingdom value. Now I'm gonna tell you right now, we're all producing or bearing fruit. The, The question is not if you are, the question is from what source are you bearing fruit? What kind of fruit? Jesus said that you'll know a good tree by the good fruit it produces. And you'll know a bad tree, this is found over in Matthew chapter seven, by the bad fruit it produces. Now we are not going around picking people's fruit and, and well, you know, you're not producing this fruit, you're not producing, but there is one that is inspecting fruit. The father is looking for and inspecting fruit and even to the degree of not just the, the quality of the fruit, but as well as the quantity. He says, you're pruned so that you can bear more fruit. Apparently, God it never reaches even a level of, of satisfaction in the quantity of the fruit that we are bearing, we are producing. He says, ah, there's more in there. Oh, wait, there, there, there's still some more. You're never going to tap that out. You're never going to reach the maximum load or the maximum capacity or the maximum production level. God is always pruning, tweaking, challenging, confronting, working on something in our lives. Why? So that we can produce more fruit. I don't ever want to get tired of producing fruit. I don't want to ever get tired of working on my life and adjusting the things that need to be adjusted so that I can increase the level of production. I can, I can continue to be purposeful for the kingdom of God. So ultimately, this whole conversation is around, what fruit are you bearing? And from there, he's gonna give us some direction. From there, he's gonna give us, uh, you know a lot of times we read John chapter 15, you know where I'm going, abide in me, I in you. We talk about presence, we talk about glory, we talk about relationship. But remember this, the connection and the relationship is not the end goal. Having a relationship with Jesus is not just to say I have a relationship with Jesus. No, he's letting us know something. I'm trying to get you somewhere so I can get something out of you, so I can produce something in you, and so I can do something through you. The fruit is not for the benefit of the tree. Come on. Sometimes we just want a personal relationship with Jesus to make ourselves feel better. There's kind of a, 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 a selfish ambition to it in a sense of, I want to grow deeper. I want to be close to Jesus. so I can say that I'm close. With, no, there should be results from that is what Jesus is saying here. It should be, it should be quantified in, in your life, in your actions, in your behaviors, in your thought processes. You're trying to get somewhere deeper. I would put it to you this way. The relationship with Jesus is not the end. It's actually the beginning. What flows out of my life is a result of this abiding, is a result of this remaining. And so that's where Jesus starts. Right in verse two, he, 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 he starts us off and he says, bear fruit and bear more fruit. And when you've reached a certain level, then we start tweaking and pruning and changing. So we can produce more fruit. Look at your neighbor see, there's more fruit in there. Just let them know. There, there's, there's more fruit. There's more fruit. Amen. I'm so thankful that there is more fruit. Look at verse three. He says, "You are already clean. We saw. we talked about this last week. There's a work that Jesus did, and then there's the work we are to do. We are not to work on the cleaning. He says, I'll take care of that. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. A lot of times we we see this, of course, in light of holiness and righteousness and living right and cleaning ourselves up and cleaning our act up. And he says, look, I've, I've taken care of that. I've taken care of getting you cleaned up. In fact, I'll clean you up better than you can clean up yourself. You can't do this on your own. You can't do this in your own uh, methods. You can't do this. You you can't provide the solutions. You, You can't be good enough. But if you allow me to clean you up, I'll get you right. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. This is what he says then. Verse four, now the instruction comes. Abide in me. So in essence, this is what he's saying. I've done the part of getting you there. Now it's your part to stay there. It's your job to stay there. It's your role to stay there. I have helped you arrive. Now you abide. Amen. We've got to learn now to abide or remain in where he's brought us to. If we get these backwards, we'll expect Jesus to keep us in something while we're working to get there. And that's backwards. And that's exactly what the enemy wants you to think. The enemy wants you to think that you've done good enough to get to a certain point to gain approval, and now it's up to Jesus to keep you somewhere. And Jesus said, no, 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 you got roles reversed. I'll get you there. Well, I'm still doing this. I'll get you there. Now it's going to be your job to remain in or abide in. Abide in me and I in you. This is what the word abide means in the Greek. This word abide in the Greek, it means this. To stay in a given place, state, relation, or expectancy. I like that. To stay in a given place, state, relation, or expectancy. It also means this, to continue, dwell, endure, be present, remain, and stand. In fact, several translations uh, translated, remain in me as I remain in you. I thank God for the role of him, uh, uh, of Jesus helping us arrive to a place. He's made us to be sons and daughters of the King. Amen. He's made you royalty through his sacrifice. He's made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But now there is the responsibility of remaining. Say that with me, say responsibility of remaining. It's my responsibility to remain. It's not my responsibility to arrive. He helps me arrive. It's my job to remain, to stay in, to persevere, to endure, to be present, to stand in the place that he's called me. That tells me this, that just because I have arrived doesn't mean I'll automatically stay. If the instruction is given to abide, if the instruction is given to remain, then apparently there must be some intentionality there. There must be some effort. There must be uh, something that either by natural discourse I can fall away or that there are challenges that will present themselves that can separate that initial arriving, that initial connection. However it happens, whether it's just natural digression that I don't remain as in tune and as connected as I once was, or there will be things that come along our lives that will try to separate and try to divide. Well, I believe it's both. I believe if there is a natural digression in our lives, if we're not intentional to do the things that keep us abiding and remaining, we will drift away. And we know what the word tells us in the last days, many will what? Fall away. You fall away because you become distracted. You fall away because you don't give the initial effort in the, the, or, or the effort that you gave initially. You're not as bought in and invested as you once were. This is a time of year where a lot of people uh, regain, revisit their intentionality to things. Whether it's working out, whether it's diet, whether it's finances, whether it's relationships, whether whatever it is, uh, you know, typically our lives at this point in, in, in January, we are thinking about the year ahead and we're thinking, you know, you're not actually going to arrive where you want to arrive December 31. You know that you know it's going to take intentional effort. You know you can't eat the same things. You know you can't keep the same schedule. You know you can't hang around the same people. You know you can't spend money the same way. Come on, And so you know there are some intentional things I'm going to have to introduce or reintroduce. And so there's going to be a responsibility to remain. But here's what I love about this word abide. It means to dwell or to live in. Now, I don't know about you. There are obviously things in our lives that we are intentional about, that we put intentional thought toward, but living, that just becomes normal, natural. What I want to do today is I want to take the striving out of abiding. Because as we saw last week, this was the way you were designed to be. I don't believe that we have to work to be aware of God. I think that we have worked to become unaware of God. I wanna reverse this thing and I wanna help us understand that as a believer now, I believe John chapter 15, Jesus is, is reintroducing us to the natural way of Christian life. To abide. I live there. Think about it. You live in your home. I mean, you know, you could drive right now from here home, and and you won't remember the stoplights. So you won't. But but it, it, it's natural to live where you're at and to go where you're at. I remember, you know, uh, we we moved a couple years ago. I think it's two years ago now. And so, you know, initially arriving at the new house, I had to give thought. Okay, I'm not turning there to go back to the old house. I'm got to go this way now. Got a new path, a new dream. But you know what? After a few months, it became natural to turn down the streets that I needed to turn down to walk in my house. And it didn't feel, you know, initially when you move into a new house, it's like, okay, you're trying to figure things out, routines are different and 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 where things are and and all. But now today it's it's just natural for me to live in my house. It's not unnatural, it's not uncomfortable, it's not weird. Now I'll tell you, it would be weird if I only visited my house. Being in the presence of God is only weird if it's a place you visit rather than a place you dwell. (laughs) It should be so, like, we should carry the presence everywhere. I should never, honestly, honestly, I should never have to get into the presence. I carry the presence, I'm a representation of the presence. Heaven on earth is how I live. John chapter three, Jesus talks about, and you don't have to go there. I don't even have it in my notes. It's just coming to me right now. But John chapter three, Jesus talks about the ascended life. And see this, this when Jesus talks about heaven on earth, he's talking, we think of heaven on earth. We think earth to heaven. He was thinking heaven to earth. He was already up and came down. How can one descend unless he's descended? He's not talking about into hell. He's talking about, I can ascend to, the, to think like heaven because I've descended here, bringing heaven here. Look at his life. His life was an ascended life. He did not respond to things the way you and I respond to things. He did not treat things the way you and I treat things. He did not talk about things the way you and I talk about things. He completely broke every law and every level that man had on this earth because he says, I've got a different, think about it now. If you go from the United States to Europe, France, there's gonna be things there that are gonna be different in that culture than they are here. Jesus did not just come from heaven to earth. He literally brought the culture of heaven to the earth. He brought the culture of the kingdom here. And he says, how do you do that? You abide, you dwell. Yes, there's a responsibility to remain, but I want that responsibility. I, uh, I just, I, I try to find the right word. Natural is the only word I can come up with because it's not normal or familiar in the sense, ah, it's just the presence of God. You can become, aware of the presence of God without devaluing the presence of God. Does that make sense? I can maintain the honor of the presence. See, the thing is, is we lose the value for things that we stay in. We lose the value for the things that we do over and over again. We lose the value for in repetition, in routine. But I want to tell you right now, the presence of God does not have a shelf life. The presence of God is never routine. The pre- I can be disciplined in the presence of God and still value and honor it as if it was the first time I enter, ever entered his glory. That's a heart posture. That's a heart posture. I tell you, if we lived in this way that Jesus is helping us identify, There would be a lot less of, I'm sick, I need to get healing scriptures. I'm going through an issue, I need to get the word of God on. It would be in you, ready to respond to any condition, any situation, any challenge you come against. We would face challenges way differently than we do. We would face difficulties. Jesus never cut corners on difficulty. He never prettied this thing up dressed it up to try to get more people in the kingdom. He just let them know, yeah, in the world, we trials and tribulations. But what's the next line? Be of good cheer. Not put on good cheer. Be. You already are. But see, your outflow is determined by your inflow. What I'm putting in determines what's coming out. This is the the bearing fruit. I know a lot of times we talk about bearing fruit and we talk about habits, we talk about actions, we talk about behavior, we talk about holiness and righteousness. Let Let me give you some other ways you can bear fruit in the kingdom. Laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. That's a command. You will lay hands on the sick. It's the great commission. Come on, casting out demons, demonic forces. That's a command. There's other ways to be obedient than just not cussing and not sleeping with the wrong people and not watching that and not doing that and not hanging. There's 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 many other ways that we trespass on God's word while calling ourselves righteous and holy. Come on. And when we learn to abide, when we, when we learn to remain, when we learn to dwell, I believe heaven responses will be the first thing that pops up in you. You won't have to dig down deep, come on, to get a heaven response. We've been saying this for a while now that the, the, the supernatural ought to become natural. It ought to be more natural than the natural. Come on, nothing should scare you. Come on. I said nothing should frighten you. Be courageous, he said. We'll find ourselves not having to strive to put things on, but rather come from a position of, that can't touch me. This, is, this will be identifiable. That's why he calls it fruit. How do you know an apple tree is an apple tree? Branches look different. Leaves look different. The root look, no, you're looking at fruit. The fruit identifies. The fruit identifies. So he says, abide in, remain in. Amen. Where are we at? Verse verse four, abide in me. And then he also reverses it. And I in you. This is a two way street. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And let me just say this one note living a sin free life, I do not believe, is the goal of the human, of the Christian, of the believer. It's a byproduct. The goal is bringing heaven to earth. And as a result, I don't trespass his command. I don't break his word. I don't get out of alignment. I I am so abiding and I remain in. God God has such a greater life for you than you spending the rest of your time on this planet trying not to do certain things. Can, Can we just put it that way? God has such a greater life. We've got to get beyond that. We have a value for holiness and righteousness. You know that as a church. God hasn't changed his standards. God hasn't changed. He's not all of a sudden accepting and tolerating things because it's it's 2023 and you know, people, that's just what they do. God hasn't changed his standards. But God's got such a greater level of existence for you than just trying to overcome this and overcome that. And I, I I was free for 18 days and then it popped back up again. And God's got such a better life for us. Don't, don't, don't dumb down the word to our existence and to what we struggle with. God wants to get us beyond that and say, man, if you abide in me, that will be a foregone conclusion. Dwelling, remaining, existing in. Verse five says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. You think he's trying to get a point across? We're five verses in. He's already talked about bearing much fruit, bearing more fruit, will bear fruit. You cannot bear fruit outside of me, but you can bear fruit with me. He's trying to say something. He's trying to show us something. He says, for without me, You can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them up and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, now he qualifies it, and my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. This is the verse I want to camp on, and I pray the Holy Spirit will allow me to articulate this. I saw this so differently the last several weeks. You know, there's many times, there's several times, actually within, I think, four chapters right here in in John, 14, 15, I think he says it in John 13. He says, whatever you ask, whatever you ask shall be done for you. John 14 verse 12 says, these works that I do, you will do and even greater works because I go to my father. Right after that, he says, and whatever you ask, it shall be done. Whatever you desire, whatever you ask shall be done. And if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves in one of two ditches, disbelieving that because we've asked and not received or using it as our uh, access to a, 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 a heavenly vault that God is Obligated to perform any word or any command I request. And both ditches are wrong. And I hope that I can clarify this aspect because when we truly understand abiding, remaining, dwelling in, and living in, this is what we can expect to see take place. This is what he says. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. We said this last week, where I abide determines what I become aware of. Where I abide determines what I become aware of. If you're abiding in the news, guess what you're aware of? If you're abiding in the doctor's report, guess what you're aware of? If you're abiding uh, in the, the, the social sphere that you're in, guess what you're aware of? And if you want to become aware of different things, you're going to have to abide in a different place. Abiding means what's consuming your time. Some of us are visiting the word of God and living in the news. There's a difference. Come on. And I just let you know, verse of the day on the phone, that's not abiding. Try living at your home as much time as you spend in the Word of God and see the connection. I mean, we, we give our bodies three square meals a day. And we give our spirit man a cold snack a week. I, I, I knew if I started it, somebody would finish it. Who said, was that Brother Hagin that said that? Brother Hagin Smith Wigglesworth, one of those giants. Generals of the faith, you give your body three square meals a day and you give your spirit man one cold snack a week. I hope I do better than one cold snack. I hope as much time as I spend back in there working on this thing, you know, it ought to at least be a certain standard. Everybody's got different standards, but this ain't no drive-through stuff. And this ain't no, just put a straw in it and suck it through. This is You're going to have to chew on this. You're going to have to work on this. You're going to have to take home leftovers and let's finish it later. People tell me all the time, you preach too fast. I can't write everything down. That's why it's online. You're not going to get it all in one service anyways. Amen. I promise you, the the services and the words that I have received the most in, I had to listen to at least three times. Some of them I have on repeat. Why? Because I need to get every morsel out of that thing. I need to get every chunk out of that thing. It's not good enough for me to just get the surface stuff. I've got to get all that God wanted in that word for me. So I'm thankful for that. No, where I abide determines what I become aware of. And then he says this, my words, if you abide in me and my words. Now he's being specific. Before he just said, abide in me and I in you. So it sounds like a close personal relationship with Jesus. We love those words. Do you have a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior? Do you have a personal relationship? Well, let me tell you how personal God wants to get. He wants to reveal his word to you. We're not just talking about I'm close with Jesus. We're talking about his word dwells in you. Again, to the point that it can spring up and come up at any time. That his word dictates and orders my steps. Y'all remember that verse in Psalms 37? The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. He wants to direct in order every step, every way, every decision that you're a part of. He says, my words, this is intentionally valuing the decrees, the commands, and the declarations of God's word, intentionally valuing. What did David say? Thy word have I hid in my heart, watch this, that I might not sin against you. This is what he understood is that if I don't have your word hidden in a place, if I don't value your word, our abiding, our connection is compromised. He recognized that what comes out of my life is determined by what I put in my life. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not disagree and misalign myself with your purposes, your plans and trespass them or go the opposite way. That's what sin is. Sin is just simply disobedience to the word. That's what sin is. So I might not sin against you. So I might not trespass your command. So I might not operate out of alignment with your kingdom protocols, your kingdom plans, your kingdom purposes. And not just in the sinful activity, but miss the opportunities where I can bring heaven to earth. Miss the opportunities where I can literally be the vehicle through through which heaven shows up in this realm. Oh, I hope you're getting this. See, God's word is his revealed will. God never says a thing. That isn't his intention, isn't his plan, isn't his purpose. You want to know what God thinks about something, he gave you a whole book on it. He gave you 66 of them, actually. And he moved upon 40-plus authors to write down the decrees, the declarations, the commands, the purposes, and the will, and the plan of God. People today want to know the will of God for their lives. And I'm helping, I hope I'm helping us understand that God has been over backwards. He's gone through so much to make his will abundantly clear to you. It does not have to be a difficult thing unless we don't address the abiding, the remaining. That doesn't mean you won't enter situations where you'll have, questions or challenges or wonder or what if, but I can tell you right now, you will find a word to answer every challenge in every situation. But again, if we're in the habit of visiting rather than abiding, rather than maintaining, rather than remaining, we're gonna find ourselves compromised. This is what I know, is God wants this will accomplished in the earth. This will that he's gone through so much to reveal to you and I through these authors, through the book, this book cannot be, uh, uh, destroyed. His word will remain forever. The glass, the, the grass withers, the flower fades, but my word will remain, will endure forever. He has gone through so much to make his will revealed to you on top of that you have the spirit of god living in you he's given you the holy spirit who only speaks on behalf of the father and now he's revealing this will so that he can see it accomplished in the earth you know god still has plans and purposes for this for this world he still has a plan and purpose for this earth god has not left the chat so to speak god hasn't uh you know They're they're done, they're done, let's just wrap this thing up, bring bring our Christians home, bring all our believers home, and let's just shut this thing down. No, he's still got a plan and a purpose in the earth, even in the midst of all that we're seeing today. And he wants to see it accomplished. He wants to see it take place. Now watch this. This is what it says. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, my decrees, my commands, my will, my intent, my purpose. This is what he says. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. James even tells us that we can ask amiss. We can ask out of line with God's intent, purposes, plans, will. How can I ensure that what I'm asking is in line with his will? in line with heaven, abiding. Abide in me and I in you. Let me tell you something. Your, this absolutely changes the game on our prayer life. If we truly understood verse seven, it would absolutely change the game on what our prayer life looks like. You can bring petitions. You can bring the unknowns to God. You can bring the the, the tragedies and the trials, but, but are we spending time in prayer asking the desires of our heart so that he can perform them in our lives? How bold are we in that? Whatever you ask, whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. Psalms chapter 37 says it this way. Psalms 37 and verse three in the new living, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Watch this, verse four. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Take delight means this, to set an affection toward. Now, we love the second half of these verses. We love the whatever you ask that you desire shall be done. We love the, and he will give you your heart's desires. We love the whatever is on my heart, whatever I desire, whatever I have a desire for, it will just show up and he will answer that. And and, and to a degree, there's truth to that. But I want to go deeper with this today. Because if you miss the first half, you're going to mess up the second half. If we miss abide in me and my words abide in you, it messes up the, and whatever you ask will be done for you. If we miss the take delight, set your affections on heaven. In essence, what he's saying is abide. Dwell, live in. When you have your affection set on something, it's not frequented, it's not visited, it's not rarely thought of. It's on the front of your mind. You're always, you know that there's a relationship, you know that there's a connection. Your thoughts go toward that. Set your mind on things above, not on things below. If you miss the take delight in the Lord, it will mess up the He will give you the desires of your heart. But on the flip side, if you address the take delight in the Lord, You're going to enhance the, and he will give you your heart's desires. And I want to change this just a little bit. This is what I believe it says. He will give you what to desire. This is different because this isn't just I want a boat and I want two houses and I want three cars and and I want a a trial-free life. And I want this and I want that and I want the promotion. I want to marry that. And and now it's taking it from like this. this, These verses do not obligate God to answer our needs. They obligate us to partner with his. When I take delight in the Lord, my desires align with his desires. His desires align. Become my desires. Hello. When you abide in me and my words abide in you, guess what's going to happen? An alignment is going to shift. An alignment is going to show up with heaven. And your desires are going to be like, you want that there? We'll do that here. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth. And now it's not my desires of just whatever I want. Now it's desires that I know align and God is not obligated to answer any prayer that is out of alignment with heaven. Abiding is how you align yourself with the Father's heart. Abiding is how we become one in the same. So synced up, so teamed up with heaven. This is how you bind on earth and it's bound in heaven. This is how you loose on earth and this is how it's loosed in heaven. I mean, Jesus shows us an example. His ministry is a demonstration of sinking in alignment with heaven and nothing could stop that. He even said this about his life. He knew that he was gonna be, he was gonna offer up his life. He was gonna lay down his life and this is what he said. No man can take it from me. I'm in such alignment with heaven that I know no one can touch my life until it's the time to lay my life down. (laughs) Could you imagine being that in sync with heaven? They can't take me now. I got work to do. I got an assignment. You can't take me out of here. Well, his ways are higher. (laughs) His thoughts are higher. Get on another level is what he's saying. Come up. To another level of thinking, come up to another level of of perspective, come up to another level of seeing things the way God. Sees continuously, countless times in God's word, we are encouraged to see from His perspective, see from heaven's perspective, see from God's perspective. That's why He says, You've been raised up and you've been seated with Him in heavenly places. Why? Because things look real broken and look real bad down here on this level. But if you could just come up here, you can see things from where I'm at, and you'll see things. You'll see my demonstration. You'll see my work. You'll see my power. You'll see that nothing can can hold you. Uh, in subjection amen but how do we get there abiding become in 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 sync with heaven this is the thing is we want a deeper awareness but we want surface connection we want to know the God, what are you thinking? God, what are you doing? But we won't increase the level of our connection. I I tell you right now, I tell people all the time, you got a real uh, struggle or a real situation that you need answers to? Fast. What does fasting do? It increases your awareness to perceive heaven, and it gets rid of the Junk. It gets rid of the distractions. It gets rid if you if you got something that man. I need an answer. I gotta know. Am I supposed to take that? Am I supposed to do that? Am I supposed to go there? Am I supposed to do this? Get with Jesus. He He promises us, abide in me, and I in you. And what'll happen is your desires will actually line. up. I've had people tell me, you know, I I just believe that this is something God wants me to do, but I just don't know if this is just me wanting it or if this is really God. Is this just my selfish desires or is this? That's an attack of the enemy. Anywhere that there is confusion, God is not in it, for he is not the author of confusion. You think God is up in heaven like, look at them struggling. Look how cute that is. They might do this. They might do that. Let's see if they get it right. It's a little little game to him. No, he's in heaven saying, I've provided you the utmost clarity. I want you to know beyond the shadow of a doubt from the inside, not based on externals. Not be, uh, you know, uh, Craig sent this to me earlier this week. He said, if you voice something that God's laid on your heart, don't ever base it on their response. If their eyes get real big or if they look, are you sure? I mean, almost always, if you take a step of faith in a God direction, do not expect a lot of applause and a lot of backing and a lot of support and a lot of coming alongside and a lot of, man, that's awesome. Go get it. How much do you need? (laughs) But yet God is with you every step of the way yet he has sent you. I've made a point in my life, I, I don't question people. You know, when, when, when as a pastor, you get a lot of conversations and, and people like to dress up their decisions and their conversations of just feel the Lord leading me. The second, you, I'm just letting you know, the second you you lead off with that, I back away from the conversation. Whether the Lord's really leading you or whether you're just saying that because you want me to believe that you're really perceiving heaven when really you're just following something on your own, whether you've really bought in and whether you've really invested in this, that's up to you. But the second you say, I believe God told me, and God told you. I'm very careful of that as a pastor. I heard a pastor say that Years before I got into ministry, he said, I don't get up in my church and always say, you know, I just feel the Lord leading us to, you know, sometimes it was just, I think it's a good idea to do this outreach program. Because if you overuse that, come on, you lose a value for what is God saying? What is God directing? And sometimes we use that as a little lure to get people to buy into our own decisions. No, I, I, I want to know that I'm intently in tune with the voice of God. I'm intently in tune. And this is what I said for 2023. This is the year we clearly know. This is the year we know beyond that there is clarity, the utmost clarity, that it's not hard to hear God. It's not a pressing in. And, and this, I want this to be so abide, remain, Live. I don't have to do a lot of work to live in my house. I'm going to drive away from here and I'm going to drive to my house and I'm going to put the cowboy game on and I'm probably going to fall asleep and yell at somebody when they come in and change the channel and I'm going to live in my house just as natural as, ah, this is where I belong. Don't touch my channel. I'm watching that. No, you ain't. You're watching the back of your eyelids. I'm listening to it. Who's winning? After this commercial break, I can tell you. Amen. We're living. We're dwelling in him. It's not a striving. It's not a working. Oh, the enemy loves when you toil for the things that God has easily and readily made accessible. He loves when you come begging and crawling. And that's why he said, man, come boldly to the throne of grace. Not in an arrogance of, all right, God, here's what I got. But in in, in an understanding, I'm in partnership with you, Father. And what you want, I will, I want, and I will help you execute that. I will help you get that done. If that's what you want done in that situation, if that's what you want delivered, is that, is that, if that is what you want set free, I'm your God. Now empower me to do it. This is abiding. But it takes the trust in the Lord and do good. It takes the take delight in the Lord. Verse five, look what he says. Commit everything, Psalms 37, verse five. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him. Notice we get two instructions and he gets one. Commit everything to the Lord, one, trust him, two, and then his job, and he'll help you. Why? Because there's a responsibility on our part. And the responsibility doesn't have to be done in toil. The, The responsibility doesn't have to be stressful. Oh, I just wish I could hear God's voice. Oh, I just wish I knew when God was here. I just knew what God wanted to do. No, we're getting rid of that. To this year, 2023, we are getting rid of that garbage talk. You start saying, I know the voice of God. I readily hear the voice of God. I respond quickly to the voice of God because his word is in me. And because I remain in it and I abide in him, I readily know where he wants me to be, what he wants me to do. A lot of times we find ourselves putting the what before the who. We want to know what God. But do we want to know who God? This is what I know. In my relationships, in in my marriage, I know what because I know who. I got to know what she likes and what she doesn't like and where she likes to eat and where she doesn't like to eat because I got to know who. I got to know her. And discovering her will and discovering her desires was a result of the relationship, not the other way around. I don't build a relationship with God while I'm trying to find out what he wants. I find out what he wants as a result of building a relationship with the father. It's so easy to get the two backwards. Again, we live in a world, we want things so quickly. We want the path of least resistance. It takes much less work to get information over relationship. Relationship takes time. Information I can divulge in a second. No, it's time to get back to abiding. Why? Because my partnership with heaven relies on it. Why? Because my connection to heaven determines my contribution to the earth. My connection to heaven determines what I have to give away. And if I'm not putting in, then I don't you cannot give away what you do not have. He says abide in me. It's time to take our awareness to another level. Romans chapter 12, we know these verses. They'll help us reiterate some of the same thoughts. Maybe you'll see this in a different light. Verse one, Romans 12, verse one, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is, your spiritual worship. Present your bodies, he says. Your lives. Can we make 2023 the year that we give God all? Can we make this the year we hold nothing back? We don't just give him access to the areas or the stuff that we want delivered and freed, but hold on to the things that we're still okay with. Can can this be the year we truly grant him full access and fully follow his plan and his word and his will? Let's commit to that this year. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Verse two, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know what the renewing of your mind is? Abiding, remaining. It's getting back to your natural state. Renewing the mind is getting back to the natural state of things. To the way it should have been. To the way it always was before sin separated us by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, here it is, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The Passion Translation reads it this way. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? To surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing all that what? delights his heart. You want to know what delights the father's heart? Fully surrender. Fully let go, fully abandon those things that need to be abandoned and run wholeheartedly after. And you know what you're going to discover? You're going to discover what God loves. You're going to discover what his purpose is. You're going to discover what his will is. You're going to discover what he wants done. you'll experience all that delights his heart for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. In the Amplified, it reads this way. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties. That means my eyes and my ears belong to him. My mouth belongs to him. My hands belong to him. My life belongs to him. As a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, and consecrated, and well-pleasing which is your reasonable rational intelligent service and spiritual worship do not be conformed to this this world this age fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Worship team, if you'd come. How are we going to live out the desires of God's heart? not just the desires of your heart. God is not obligated to fulfill the desires of our heart if they do not align with the desires of his heart. Did that get anybody? We all good? You'd have a healing line here in a moment? Amen. I'll give you a quick example. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus has a conversation with his disciples. He says, who do men say that I am? And you know, his disciples, they have this conversation. They say, well, you know, some people think you're this person. Some people think you're John the Baptist come back from the dead, Elijah, one of the prophets. And he says, well, who do you? Say, and Peter speaks by the spirit of God by revelation not just in his own knowing not just his own conclusion but Peter speaks up and he says I believe that you are Jesus the Christ the Messiah the son of the living God and Jesus answers him and he says flesh and blood has not revealed this but by my father who's in heaven That came as a result of heaven influencing the earth. Well, just a few verses later, Jesus starts to give the picture of how this is all going to take place. He says, I'll be handed over. I'll be offered up. They will accuse me of things I haven't done. They'll beat me. Ultimately, they'll kill me. For three days I'll be dead, and on the third day I will rise. And the same Peter, this is why it's important to remain. The same Peter, just five verses earlier, spoke by the revelation of the Spirit of God, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Not four or five verses later is saying, may it never be. I will defend you. I will make myself personally responsible. They do not kill you. And the same Jesus that just got done saying, flesh and blood is not revealed. Peter, you are a rock and upon this rock, I will build my church. Just given all these commendations, all these accolades. Now he says, get thee behind me, Satan. And he goes on to say this. He says, for you do not have your affections set on the things of God, but the things of man. Your desires are not in sync. Guys, it's possible to be synced up in one decision and out of sync in the next. It's possible to be rightly aligned, but then the opposite of abide, is abandoned that quickly no but when you live in when you remain when you abide and his words abide in you you won't speak things that are out of alignment with him you won't speak things that are your own selfish ambition but not truly what the father wants and you will Find yourselves even accepting the hard things, not accepting like, well, I guess that's the way it's going to be, but recognizing this is here for a greater purpose. And this is, God is wanting to say something, do something, change something through this situation. I want to be so remained, so constant, that I could go from God's commendation to God's prophetic word over what's going to come next. And even though it may not align with what naturally I want, my heart is so in tune and my heart is so aligned. Yes, Father. You know, that's what Mary said. When the angel came, That was not good news. As a teenage girl that's not even married, in a very religious community, in a small town in Nazareth, to hear you're going to be with child by the Holy Spirit so everybody around you can think you're an absolute liar and a deranged person. but Mary treasured these words in her heart. And as you have commanded, may it be. Can we abide in 2023? Remain so in such constant synchronization. Oh, it's a work to get there. I understand, but it's only to tear down every wall that the enemy has tried to build. wall. It's not a work to get God to move and say, okay, finally, I'll show you. It's a work to get the stuff out of the way that the enemy has built up over time that has hindered you from clearly seeing what God is trying to do. God is saying, I'm on the other side of all the junk. I'm on the other side of all the stuff. Abide in me.